Welcome back to the Power Mom Minute podcast. This is the fourth installment of the Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic series, which was a Facebook Live series I hosted in April with the goal of helping parents navigate all things during the pandemic. Over two weeks, I interviewed 17 experts covering different topics ranging from fertility to mindfulness to health and fitness to working from home, productivity, and more. These experts share tangible tools, tactics, and strategies to help you survive as a parent, not only during the pandemic, but also in the future as you navigate parenthood in the new normal. As a special five-week series on the Power Mom Minute podcast, I'm sharing five of these interviews that had incredible insights into ways to navigate parenthood moving forward. I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to watch or listen to any or all of the 17 expert interviews, you can go to parentingpandemicseries.com to sign up for free access. On today's special episode, I'm bringing to you a good friend of mine, mom of four kids under 10, CEO and business owner, New Yorker and COVID survivor, Hani Wilchansky. Hani also appeared in episode four of my podcast. I'm so happy to have her back on the show talking about her experience actually having COVID while parenting and running a business with multiple employees and clients all at the same time. Hani caught COVID in the very beginning of the outbreak in New York City, so not only did she get it, but also her husband and kids. I can't imagine getting COVID, yet alone with four kids, your husband getting it, and running a full business. Hani is a true champion when it comes to dealing with all of this, and today I'm hoping that you guys learn as much as I did from our conversation. Some of my key takeaways were how she set up a percentage indicator and put metaphorical buckets in place in order to check in with her husband throughout the day to make sure that there was stability and joy in the house, even without help, even while everyone was sick and during quarantine. Another thing that she talks about is how her relationship with her husband has changed over that period of time and the ways that they're trying to get back on track. Another thing that she talks about is just her own self-care, what she was doing for herself daily to make sure that her percentage indicator came back up to full, which included a 20-minute daily nap, which I'm slightly jealous of. And lastly, her method on how to implement a self-scan on yourself, on you as a parent, and on you as a partner so that you can survive. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Power Mom Minute. I'm your host, Stephanie Uchima-Carney, and I'm a modern-day business mama who believes you can have it all. This podcast is all about going behind the scenes of the lives and businesses of successful moms in business in order to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools that you, as a mom, can use to apply to your daily life and business. It is my mission to educate, empower, and inspire moms like yourself to build your dream business while having the freedom and flexibility to enjoy life to the fullest. Power Moms, it's time to rule the world. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic. Today, I am excited to bring to you Hani Wilchansky. She is an early childhood leadership coach, um, the CEO of School of Excellence, and you may have seen or heard her on a podcast episode I did with her. It's episode four on the Power Mom Minute podcast. And today, Hani is joining us because she is a badass mom. She does so much. She runs an amazing company. I mean, I could go on and on about all the things Hani does. And today I wanted to bring her in because she, her and her husband actually 
got COVID, which is on top of everything she does. I cannot believe she survived. And she's also surviving in New York without childcare and all the things. So welcome, Bonnie. Yes, lots and lots going on. And I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me again. And let's have some uh, real talk conversation. Yeah. All sugar aside, let's do this. Exactly. So tell me about the last 10 minutes of your life right now. (laughs) So uh, it's three o'clock here in the East Coast. And at five to two, I came. So I'm in the basement here. Uh, We actually went away from New York. We are renting a house in Jersey. We took the kids out of the craziness and brought them here to have some outdoor space. So I'm in a little dingy basement here that is now my office uh, that also is the storage room of boxes and the guest beds. And I have a lifetime table as a desk pretty shitty chair so it's hurting my back and so I'm doing I have a mat over here on the floor where I'm doing stretches every 90 minutes to make sure that I don't get blood clots from sitting on this thing so that's that's uh what's going on here and so at five to two I came upstairs we have a toddler a five-year-old an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old our eight-year-old and nine-year-old are both doing online schooling with their uh elementary school teachers Um, So they've got some kind of schedule, but my husband's kind of all hands on deck right now with our five-year-old and our two-and-a-half-year-old. So I came up at five to two, and Mayor's like, I'm done. Like, I'm at zero (laughs) percent. Like, I'm not even at 10 or at five percent. Like, we're zero. The tank is empty. I'm dead. I'm on the couch. I don't know what to do. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, how about... I do my next client call in the car. So I'm like, let me put the baby in the car seat. He'll fall asleep. 10 minutes in, I'll get on the call. I won't have to whisper and we'll be all good. So that's what we did. So I did my last call. It was a four-way conference with my members. um, (laughs) And I did that. And now I'm here. And I have my lipstick is always next to me to do reapplication before I get back on any calls because at least we have lipstick, right? I mean, if without that, I don't know. So that's a survival tip for sure. I'm staring right now at my husband who's rocking the the newborn and he's like, can I go running? And I'm like, um, I have a call at 12 today, not one. Um, no, (laughs) sorry. Um, I was like, I can hold her, but that might not go well. Yeah. So some real talk here. All right. I had no idea you guys went to Jersey, but, um, it's good that you escaped the city. Three weeks ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's flash back and let's talk about one, how in the world did both of you get COVID? I mean, yes. I know you live in New York, but how, how did yeah. you get this? Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of days before the lockdown, we actually had a Jewish holiday uh, called Purim. And so during that holiday, part of it is everyone's kind of going into each other's houses and celebrating with one another. Everyone was at synagogue that day. And so everyone who was with everyone just was it was all the hugging and the passing and everything was going on then. So our landlord actually got it first. He lives right under us and our kids are, I mean, it's basically the same house. They're up and down all the time. And so he got it first and I'm like, Mayor, one of us are getting this. Like, it's just, it's happening. And so I got it first. The first five days was just insane weakness. I was just in bed, could not move, really could not move. Mayor was was running the fort all by himself. And then on the fifth day was when difficulty in breathing really started. And it was hard for me to go to the bathroom, read a book, walk to the other end of the apartment any of those things was extremely, extremely difficult. And then as I recovered, we had a three-day window where both of us were healthy. 
And then on the fourth day, my husband started displaying symptoms of the virus. We originally thought it was bronchitis. Um, We're like, oh, maybe it's bronchitis, but it wasn't. So he displayed, he was coughing. He had a really hard time with coughing and breathing. And and his cough sometimes got so crazy that he kind of blacked out because he just, the he couldn't breathe because the he just, it was coughing, 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 couldn't catch his breath kind of thing. Did you guys like quarantine from each other or no? really quarantine from one another. Um, and we have four kids. So no. So I knew that he was going to get it no matter what, because we're sleeping in the same room for crying out loud. Like there's no quarantining in New York. So yeah, that's, that's essentially what happened. But grateful that we both have strong immune systems that we are in general healthy people. So, so much gratitude that we were able to recover. Did your kids get anything? Yes. Our two boys had fever and some weakness. So they displayed some of those symptoms. Our other daughter was also very, very weak. Um, one of our kids didn't get have any uh, issues. Which kid didn't? What age? Uh, she was five. Okay. So younger. I wonder if she probably has the antibodies though. Could be. I, I don't know. Maybe. In general, she's this feisty you know, even the last night she was up three times with nightmares. So my husband woke up with like a bucket of like 10% energy. And that was like, okay, here's how we're going into the day today. Oh, goodness. Um, so this so, is the real stuff. Like this is what's happening right now. Right. You know? So let's talk yeah. about, so you guys both had it. Obviously can't bring in childcare. You're under quarantine. You have four yeah. kids. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I should ask like what your day looked like. How in the yeah. world did you accomplish anything? How did you keep your four children alive? Yes. While you were dying, basically. Yes. So the first thing is, um, just to give context, I work pretty much full time in the business. And so we have a house manager is what I call her, not so much of a cleaning lady, because she is someone who is looking at the maintenance, sustenance and growth of our household. Meaning, are we out of tide? Do we need more detergent? Do we need more cleaning supply? What needs to be deep cleaned this week? Where are they starting to create some webs? Um, Where do we need to do dusting? Let's get behind the couch. Like her job is to take care of the six human beings in this household and make sure that everyone's got clean underwear and socks in their drawers and all of that. And so when that was completely pulled out under the rug instantly, like zero prep for it, I do not like cleaning. It does not soothe me. It does not make me feel good. It brings me zero joy. I do not like cleaning at all. I love to play with my kids. I love to get dirty. I love to get my hands in shaving cream. I want to do chalk. I want to roll on the floor with them. I love making the mess, baking, cooking, whatever. Don't ask me to hold that broom, girlfriend. Do not. And I remember I was going to say, that was one of the things we talked about on the earlier yeah. episode was yeah. that what is the one thing that you pay for that like, yeah. you know, helps you. And it was yeah. this house manager and yeah. to give a little more context. I mean, Hani is the CEO of a company. She has multiple people that work for her. She's responsible for many, many clients and programs. She holds a lot of responsibility. So you're a full-time working mom, even if yeah. you know, your office is quote at your house, you're a full-time yeah. worker. So yeah. So not having, having that, that was really hard. And then especially in a New York City apartment where now all of a sudden I have six human beings doing foot traffic in my house, the amount of dust and dirt and clutter that was accumulating everywhere was making me even more ill. It was I couldn't, I, I'm, I'm bringing myself back to that time because I'm in a much better place right now, but giving you PTSD, <laughs> literally like when I was in that place, 
I mean, I, the, my low point was when my nine-year-old came to me, he's like, mom, there's no clean underwear. I have nothing to wear. I've got a bathing suit on. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. Like that was like, I can't even manage the like, I, no one's got clean clothes. Like my husband came to me. He's like, there's no clean shirts. He's like, we're, what, what was he missing? There was something he was missing. I can't even, he couldn't find you either. COVID too. It's like, I he's can't. like, there's nothing clean. I'm like, everyone wear bathing suits. That's it. Like everyone's home. No one's bathing go suits in New York in February. Everyone wear bathing suits. Like I'm done. There's no laundry happening. So it was just, that tremendous responsibility was so difficult where I all of a sudden realized like why I pay for a house manager, why I have someone who does all of this, because this is just too much. And so here's how I coped. And then we could talk about what I'm doing right now. Right. So how I coped during that time was an absolute hour by hour. It was at at the top of every hour, my husband and I came in for a two minute huddle. What's happening in the next hour? Who's got the kids? Who's got this one? Who's cleaning the sink? Who's making sure that we're not going to have mice in, in, in two hours in this place? What is happening for the next 60 minutes? Boom. Next top of the hour. What's happening this hour? Literally, that was the process because we couldn't go longer than one hour. It just, how, how are you physically? I mean, like, was there time for you to heal? Like, how are so, you even doing this when you're like, like you can barely breathe yet alone yeah. do a dish. <laughs> so what, what happened was, is in the moments that the Tylenol kicked in and I had a surge of energy for 40 minutes instead of sleeping during that time, which was, I should have done. I took those 30 minutes to do a a decompress of the house. So it was like, okay, quickly get these towels in the load, get this over here, put this over here, get this over there. And then I would take myself up until I knew that the Tylenol would start wearing out. And then I'd get myself back into bed, but there was all freezer food, all takeout. We live in Brooklyn. That's, that was the survival. Like Dinner's being delivered. This is happening. This is happening. Everything's coming out of the freezer. If I can make something fresh is great. Like that, that was the survival. And what did you task your husband with? So if was he doing cleaning stuff too, or what was like, so when I, so the first week, like when I couldn't move, I'm, I think my husband snapped like 180 pictures of him with the mop. So uh, he is so he touched a mop before this is the question. So we had this, we have this big red bucket and he's in the kitchen sink with the big red bucket to clean the floor. And he's like filling up the water and he's got the dirty mop and he's squeezing and I've got dishes over here and I'm like, we're going to get sick from trying to clean this place. <laughs> and yeah, how do you disinfect? I mean, you have COVID. You're not supposed to even like touch or do anything. Like, I know you can't quarantine in the apartment. They, you know, they say ideally, like you should have a room where you oh, can go sure. to. How oh, are, yeah. how did you disinfect and do all that? So we, when had you also have wipes. we had lice the wipes in every counter um, and in the bathrooms. No one was allowed into our bathroom. We do have the luxury of having two bathrooms. So no one was allowed into mine and my husband's bathroom. None of the kids, meaning. And then the kids' bathroom was disinfected as as often as I remembered it, as, as whatever was able to happen. We used only throwaway uh, <laughs> utensils, plastic, everything. And then everything went straight to the garbage, like out, out of the house, out of the house, out of the house. So that was kind of the MO during that time. And I How probably did- am blocking out a lot of other things as well. I was going to say, how did you explain this to your children? Did they understand what, what coronavirus was? Did they understand what was going on? Why mommy was so sick or. Yeah. So I told them that mommy has a virus. 
And just like mommy's had viruses before, mommy's going to recover. I'm going to be okay. This one is a little bit harder for me. It's hard for me to breathe sometimes. And so I need to rest more. But for me, the big thing was during my moments of the Tylenol kicking in, I really took the time to put every kid on my lap because my thing was, and again, like, this is why there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong way to do this is some families, when the person had it, they were like, they didn't touch their kids. They didn't come near them, whatever it is. And for me, it was like, my kids have it no matter what I'm moving around the house. There's no way for me, them not to get it. And so not hugging them and putting them on my lap isn't making them any safer from the virus. It's protecting them emotionally from me being so distant already from them. So during that time, I made the choice to make sure they were on my lap, read them a story, connect with them, take care of them, give them that physical touch and connection and eye contact that they so desperately needed from me. What do you so. think was the first thing you let go of? Like when this all happened and you're like, cause I admit, I know um, I asked this in the podcast where I'm like, you know, what are the things that you, you know, don't care or like let go of and let happen, you know, but now we're talking like a whole different situation here. So what is the first thing that you normally like to control that you let go of? Because you knew it, it wasn't going to be going to happen. It wasn't your top of priority or whatever list. So coming on time to anything, boom, like no expectation on that. I was just like, if I could come somewhere in time, great. If not, like if I could come, that's a win. And if I don't, then fine. The other thing was as long as the laundry was cleaned, even if it was a pile on the dining room table or still on the dryer, go find your underwear. Like it is as long as it's clean, go hunt for it. I cannot fold it or put it away for you. That's what nice. happened. <laughs> that's not happening now. Everyone's got their stuff in their dress. We're all right. good. <laughs> but we'll, we'll flash forward to that. Yes. Um, I wanted to also ask during that time, how did you manage your business? <sighs> Managing my business has been such a learning curve. The, the, big, the big first decision that I had to make, which I kept pushing off until I ultimately made the decision a week and a half ago, was about my live event, uh, which is in the summer, in July. It was originally supposed to be in July. And... I kept kind of making these decisions from a place of, oh, May 1st, everyone's back in school and I'm going to be able to, you know, give my time and attention here. Or after Passover, this thing is all over and the kids are going to go back or whatever it is. And, you know, I'm going to be able to repick things back up again. And I, I think this is so important for all the moms that are watching is that there's this push and pull of having this. So I have a huge degree of ambition and sometimes it can be intimidating for other people. Like I enjoy working hard. I find great joy. So for the moms that find great joy in cleaning and organizing and all of that, take that concept of joy and put that in ambition. Like I find joy in that. And so taking my ambition and squashing it because now I can only do these kinds of stuff was extremely, it was hard for me. It was so painful that I wasn't showing up in the way that I, I wanted to. And so the readjustment and the re-expression of who I am, what my values are, how I want to show up, was really the journey that I went on over this last week. And I'll, I'm going to walk you through that process because I, for me, walking through it on my own and then taking the time to walk through it with our mutual mentor, um, Todd, and then some friends was really, really helpful. And the first thing is understanding that my top value is family. Faith and family are my top values. And so if my faith and my family are my top values, how am I making sure that my calendar which is an expression of your identity, 
because whatever's on your calendar is what you value, right? I am a person who makes time to go out with my husband. I am a person who makes time for my kids. I am a person who makes time for my clients. And so how is my calendar going to be an expression of my values during this pandemic? If my first priority is family, then my first priority is my kids are looking at me and in their questions, what they're really saying is, mommy, how do we respond when we don't know what's going to happen? How far do we push when we have so little resources? When is pushing too hard? What do I do in crisis? What do I, like? That's what they're really asking me in their own way, in their two-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old way. And so I said to myself, okay, my kids hopefully never experience a pandemic that puts them in lockdown again, but they are young which means they are going to experiencing further crises mm -hmm. and roadblocks in their life as they mature into young adults and to grownups. And this is the time that they're formulating, how do I respond in crisis? Do I hide? Do I freeze? Do I get paralyzed? Do I have debilitating anxiety that doesn't allow me to make decisions and paralyzes me? How am I supposed to show up right now? They're watching me. Right. And so I said, okay, if I put on this event, that means that I'm telling my kids that you push and push and push so hard, even when it comes at the expense of you guys. And I'm like, the story that I'm going to tell in 90 days from now is not allowed to be that story. Right. Because now means, you're not prioritizing your family values because you exactly. put your event above them. Exactly. And I'm curious, well, uh, we can go back to this, but I'm curious at how each of your children reacted to this crisis. Like what were their manifestations of it? And then how you like kind of combated that? So I think the first thing to understand is it really depends on the state that you're in right now and where you're watching from. It, I am talking from the place of a New Yorker. This is ground zero. <laughs> this is the epicenter. This is insane town. It's a war zone. And so I, I want you to be mindful of the fact of I am sharing my perspective, my experience, which could be completely different from you. And that doesn't mean that your perspective is not correct. It's your perspective. It's different. So I just want to preempt that by saying before I share my experiences, this is my experience. It doesn't mean it's every New Yorker's experience. This is mine. And so for me in our apartment, watching my kids have zero place to climb and run and jump and move around and not have the normal routine of their school and the outlet of their friends, I was watching each of them retreat into different components and act out in different ways. And I'm like, this has to stop. I have a responsibility of the leader in this household to create an environment that works for my kids. And what does working look like now? What does working look right. like right now? We cannot stay here. So that was the decision that we made to, to, to get out. I see. Got it. Yeah. And I, it's good. You have the flexibility to do that too. Yeah. yeah so, you know, when I first talked to you a, a few weeks ago, we chatted about survival versus thriving. Yes. And I think, I think you had hit probably not, I wouldn't say like the rock bottom, but like the peak. I was this, at bottom. Like, I was at rock bottom. I guess it would be bottom, not peak, but <laughs> of this whole, um, I've had it like, you know, I am trying to survive. I'm doing everything that I can 
And it looks like you're, you're now on the up end. You're coming out the other end now. So now that you don't, you both aren't sick, your family is healthy, you've gotten yourself space, you prioritize that value. What does your kind of schedule day, what, what does your life look like right now? And now how are you managing? Because even before this call, you were like, my husband said he was at zero. So what is the troubleshooting that goes on? What, yep. what, you know, you were hour by hour before. So now what does it look like? Great question. So uh, here's a couple of things that we're doing. And I think what's important to recognize also is as moms, we want, okay, so this is the new schedule. This is the situation. This is what we're doing now for the next, you know, few months. No, my friends, like this is a situation. This is the thing for the next week. This is what we're doing this week. Let's see. So now we're on a week by week situation. So this week was all about interviews. I'm uh, creating a whole event called Schools in Crisis. And so I've been on calls interviewing 18 different experts this whole week, which means I've been on back to back calls. I feel every- you. I've done 17, or yes. I'm going to do 17 by tomorrow. And yes. probably a bad idea to plan that during all Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this week was all about my husband taking a giant deep breath going underwater and he's going to get to come up tomorrow. So that's what this week was about. Next week, we've already readapted the schedule in that there is no time that I'm working for more than 90 minutes at a time, meaning there's 90 minutes and then there's a break for me to come up, be with the kids, relieve mayor, and then I go back downstairs and then he's on duty. And so we're doing this kind of back and forth swapping where he has time, I have time, he has time, I have time. And then we come together as a family at around 530 is when we're all going to kind of uh, be together. So that's what we're kind of looking at for for this coming week. The other piece is we have three meetings a day that are five minutes. So morning, afternoon, and evening. So morning meeting is let's do a quick review of the schedule today. Anything that changed, any emails that came in, any quick updates or messages, any cancellations. That's the first thing. Uh, what's for lunch today? What am I taking out of the freezer? Do you know how to prep it? Usually I'm unavailable during lunchtime. And then what's for dinner tonight and when is dinner happening? So that's the first meeting of the day. Second meeting of the day is bucket check-in. So that's what percentage are you at? So like when I came upstairs at yeah. around five to two, what percentage <laughs> are you at? How full like is negative? Your, <laughs> yeah, negative. Where are you holding? Where's your bucket? Does anything need to be rearranged? Meaning just because I had something on my schedule, it doesn't mean I'm going to honor that. Because if my husband's at zero and the kids need someone, guess what? They're coming first. So, so it's, it's that midday check-in of the reassessment. Where are we with our buckets? And then the final check-in of the day is when the kids are sleeping. And that's the re that's the assessment of the day, which is, so we each just share like, this is how I felt I showed up today as a parent, as a business owner, as a wife, here's where I want to show up better tomorrow. And then my husband shares. And the reason for that is, is because there is such a paradox of emotions that we're feeling every single hour through this time. And if we're not going to be consistently conversing with each other about it, then it sits. The problem is, it no longer sits in a pressure cooker. It sits in like this fire gun where the emotion sits for maybe a second and then boom, it comes flying out. It's not like, oh, for the next five weeks, the emotion sits and then it pops. And so in order to make sure that there's a calmness and there's a stability and there's joy and happiness felt at all moments, we need to make sure that we're checking in with each other. 
So one of the things that I loved about you was when we talked about relationships and how you were really good with having date nights with Mayor, like you had things scheduled, like you had all of these things planned. Yeah. Now, (laughs) you know, there isn't escaping. You can't get your sitter. You can't plan these date nights. You, You can't do this. And I feel like you're really good about this communication with your spouse. Can you talk about what you're doing right now yeah. to like maintain this relationship? Like whether it's intimacy, whether it's date night, whether whatever it is, how are you surviving as a couple? Like, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, there's so many different phases. Like, I feel like I, I had this phase where I was surviving as a human being and then surviving as a parent. And then I think our marriage is still a little bit in this survival state. And I know we're going to get out of it soon, but first it was kind of like me the kids, the business. And then unfortunately, many, many times our relationship is what's like, okay, this is the last thing I've got to make sure I'm saving right here, even though it's really should be the other way around. But in any case, this is, this is where we are right now. So what we're doing is, and this is something that I just realized two days ago. So I committed to doing every night at 8.30, a Facebook live for my audience. And typically 8.30 is a great time. I go on for 10, 15 minutes. My husband likes to have his time in the evening. And then, you know, I do my thing. And two days ago, I realized this is not working. The kids are going to bed later. I'm at 0% almost by the time I'm going live. Mayor's at like also kind of negative. And then if I take 10 minutes and give my energy to the audience for those 10 minutes, when I'm off, I'm like at negative 100. And I'm just, I've got nothing. So I think I'm switching it to do at 8.30 in the morning. And so the evening is really just going to be about us. So last night, we love um, Smirnoff Ice. I can't drink beer, <laughs> any kind of like, any beer, any wine, anything goes straight to my head. Even that goes straight to my that's head. Like, like, that's like the OG White Claw right there. I know, it's right? like <laughs> Yeah. So I don't drink anything. It goes straight to my head, gives me a headache. I can't. It's not for me. I don't, I just don't enjoy it. I have zero pleasure from it. But for, for my husband's sake, he's like, could you just like do something with me? And I'll be like, okay, fine. I'll have like a sip of this kind of thing. So anyways, last night we have a liquor store right across the street from our little house here. So he went across the street, he got that. And then I made a fresh guacamole and we had some chips and guac and some Smirnoff ice. And that was like our little date in. The other thing that we're getting kind of creative with is deliveries are still happening and you could do some fun games. So the other thing is we did this when we were a newlywed couple and we're bringing this back now is Tuesday nights we did game night and we each had to prep a game depending on if it was our week. So like a fun game that you could play inside that has nothing to do with screens. Um, so there are no screens allowed during date in or anything else that we're doing. So, and is this so- game with the family or just with you? No, and it's here? us. Okay. Oh, it's oh just nice. Us. Just us. Um, no screens, just us. Yeah, I play enough board games during the day. I'm I'm good. I'm good with the games with the kids. So we're still figuring it out. We're still navigating it. But that's the direction that we're kind of going in. I love that. So with all this, like, how are you feeling, I guess, like right now with things? Like how... Like, how are you feeling? What are you doing for yourself was my actually going to be yeah. my question. Because you talked about like how you would, uh, you know, when Mayor's bucket went down, how you offset that. What is your thing right now for you? So I think, uh, again, I'm going to preface this first before I say something <laughs> else. Okay. Um, I have a lot of energy. I have more, I have a lot more energy than Mayor does, than any of my kids do, than most people in my, I I do have a lot of energy. 
which is why I'm able to hold so much responsibility. Anytime I do an activity that is energy giving, I overflow my bucket. Like I, I, I do, I have a lot of energy. And so the things that I do to make sure I'm replenishing myself is I'm still waking up at five o'clock in the morning. I didn't do that, obviously, when I was sick physically couldn't get my my body out of bed, but I'm back up. I'm getting up anywhere between 4.45 and 5 o'clock in the morning. I have my coffee. I have my gratitude. I have meditation and I have a yoga mat here. And I take the time to pour into myself first thing in the morning before anyone wakes up. The other thing that I make sure is happening is, again, very simple, is water constantly. The other piece is because I have the outdoors here, I am making sure that I am getting outside and moving, moving my body at different intervals throughout the day because the outdoors within five minutes gives me an instant. It's it's literally like the cup and someone's pouring right into it. Like every minute that I'm going around the block, I feel energy coming back into me. It's amazing. And then I also do a midday nap for 25 minutes. Oh, that sounds nice. So... Um, that's that's the way I'm pouring into into me. Right. And how are you maintaining um, and keeping your kids on a schedule, especially when their schedules and routines just went out the door? And I know you're yeah. a very structured person. How are you able to kind of keep them on track, um, especially when it is a little bit different, a lot of change and maybe resistance and they're acting out because of, you know, they want to be in school or they miss their friends and there's so much emotional change. How are you kind of managing when things can't go as planned or how are you even keeping them in a structure in a routine? Yeah. So the <laughs> oddly, because a lot like, of parents are like, whatever, it's out the door. Like yeah. here's a screen. Mommy can't handle this right now. A lot of yeah. parents are almost giving up, but I know you are like the polar opposite. So, <laughs> so I had my giving up phase when I, when I was in New York, because when I was in when I was there and there were no other options but the screen, I I surrendered. I literally picked up the white flag and I said, whatever I have to do to keep everyone's hearts pumping and blood moving through their bodies is what we're doing because that's all I can do right now. I am in a place where I have outdoors, where there is a place for the kids to ride their bikes or go outside or whatever it is. So it's no, for me, one of my big things is I don't do excuses. And so I keep asking myself when I was in New York, I'm like, am I just giving an excuse that I keep pushing the screen there? Or do I like, do I really not have another option in this environment? And the more I kept asking myself that question, I'm like, I need to get out of this environment so that I can have other options. And so the moment I pulled myself out of there, it was the screen time is only for school and then 45 minutes a day. So there are the screens when they have to meet with their teachers or whatever it is. And then there are 45 minutes a day. And those 45 minutes are actually for me to do the laundry and wash the dishes and just kind of move around the house kind of thing without having a toddler in between my legs. And then that's it. And then they're outside. Like you need to be outside, go, go ride your bike, go do this. But I want it. So the first three days was a ton of resistance. I want the screen. I want the screen. I want the screen. Tons of tantruming. I blocked out all the noise. I don't hear you. There's no screens. There are no screens, period. End of statement. There are no screens. Now you have to find another alternative. Here are the other alternatives. So again, I'm sharing this from my perspective. This is my personal story. 
I am adamantly against screens and I always have been. And so it is so difficult for me already that my kids are on screens for school. And so for me, it is the final resort when I'm at negative zero in my bucket and when I truly need this time to do something. But other than that, I will push myself so hard to do anything else but the screen. Um, So I think everyone needs to ask themselves like where where are you ready to push yourself really, really hard? Like for some people, the mess in the house is too much. They have to, like, I I care less about the mess in the house. I'm okay with that, right? So everyone has to know their tolerance level in in that way. I I, I mean, I hope that's helpful. No, that is. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my goodness, honey. There's so much great information here. I still cannot believe you did all of that. So I want to end my final question, which is- Kind of, I mean, you answered it a lot of this, but yeah. what if you had to pick your number one tip right now for parents to survive, what would it be? I'm going to speak. Um, I, I think it's three tips because I think there's the tip for your personal survival as a woman. I think there is the survival tip as a mom, no matter how many kids you have. And then there's the survival tip if you have a partner and you're in a relationship. The survival tip for yourself is self-scanning yourself as often as you can. Um, So I I literally do the self-scan like they do in triage. Triage always looks the same. They come in, they're taking your vitals. I'm doing a triage on myself. Where are my vitals? Have I breathed in the last hour? Sometimes I'm so stressed out. I I literally haven't taken a breath. I'm (laughs) depriving oxygen from my brain. So it's, it's, it's vitals. It's okay. I need to take 10 deep breaths right now. Just bring back oxygen into my brain. I'm taking some water. Have I stood up? Do I need to stretch my legs? Wait, it's three o'clock. We need to eat. Like I'm doing that self-scan of the vital components to make sure that I'm okay, right? That's the like quick tip, right? We're not talking about higher level stuff. We're we're at the bottom of the pyramid here for all of this. Survival. Yes. Yes. So that's self-scan for yourself. Self-scan as a parent, what I'm doing is, 80-20. 80-20. So 80-20 is 80% of the interactions with my child, hugging, kissing, eye contact that shows approval and love and acceptance and assurance and belonging and unconditional love and, and kindness and, and complimenting them and all of that. And then if 20% of what I say, I hope they forget and never, ever remember, great, that's okay. But as long as 80% of what I'm doing with my kids and my facial expression and my body language is showing love and acceptance and belonging and assurance, I'm good. So that's the quick tip at the bottom of the pyramid for parenting. And then with my partner, it's again, not the 80-20 rule, but more about have I taken the time today to specifically share gratitude for why I'm grateful of how he's showing up right now. And this is so simple to do. Our phones are literally like glued to us like a Siamese twin. I have that. I have, it is like, that's the bottom line. I think it's another appendage. It's like another finger. Oh, for sure. Like literally. For sure. So I have, uh, my husband and I have a WhatsApp chat. Obviously we were always conversing with one another. And what I'm making sure is every once in a while I'm going in, I'm recording a voice memo and I give specific gratitude. 
Thank you so much for not putting the kids on the screen. Thank you for taking them outside and playing with them with chalk and doing something creative with them outside, even though I know you're exhausted and you really wanted to dump them in front of the iPad. Thank you for going shopping and restocking the fridge and remembering to get ices and a favorite treat that I love. Be specific. Share your gratitude. Um, So I record voice memos or I'll write something, I'll record a video or whatever it is. Men love that. They need gratitude. They need words of affirmation, okay? And for moms who are watching this that are business owners and are busting their ass and are working hard and are these badasses, the only way we can continue to do that is if our men and our partners step up for us. And if they are there to support the childcare part while we're doing this right now. And and gratitude is like, again, from the foundation of everything that I teach in schools of excellence and in my house. And so I, I practice that constantly. Thank you. Thank you with spe- with specificity. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. So I think at the bottom of the basic is showing the gratitude for the person who is having your back and literally holding you up during this time. I love that, honey. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining. And as a gratitude, I mean, thank you for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule. Yeah. We're leaving your husband at <laughs> right now and doing yeah. this. I really appreciate it. And I, there was so much stuff in here. I need to unpack this. I'm yeah. like, Whoo. yes, yes. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Stephanie. You thank joining. you so much for joining. Thank Bye. you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Power Mom Minute Podcast. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for the episode and other goodies over at powermomminute.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Each week, I'll be reading some of those reviews on air. So stay tuned and you might just hear yours. Thank you so much again, beautiful mamas, and I'll see you here next time.